Welcome to Movable Dough. This is Steve Danielson. Join me each week as we explore the minds of living composers. We talk about their lives, their musical journeys, and of course, their music. For a complete archive of episodes, as well as access to the shorter segments called Movable Snippets, visit my website, sdcompose.com slash movabledoe. Hey, this is Steve. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Movable Dough. My guest today is Al Vanderbeek. Al is a singer, songwriter, and producer of the hit musical group The Piano Guys. As a vocalist, Al performed in a hip-hop group called Four on the Floor and opened for performers like Vanilla Ice, LL Cool J, and Boys to Men. He opened his own recording studio in 2004, writing, producing, and recording for local bands and artists. And he started work with The Piano Guys in 2011 and plays the role of music producer, songwriter, sound engineer, vocalist, prankster, and fashion police. Al Vanderbeek, welcome to Movable Dough. Thank you, Steve. It's, uh, it's nice to be here. All right. Well, so as I said, you're mostly known for your work with Piano Guys. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get to that momentarily, but I want to learn more about you first. Uh, where did you grow up? So I was born in uh, New Zealand, a little town called Tokoroa. It's on the North Island of uh, New Zealand. And uh, my mother is Samoan and my dad is Dutch. And that's where seven kids were born. And then we moved to America. I would have been uh, probably about five or six years old. Okay. Do you go back to New Zealand frequently? or uh, I've been back, yeah, several times. Not as much as I would like to. Still have a bunch of family there. Probably don't have Samoan-Dutch combinations very often. Yeah, I've never met another Dutch-Samoan <laughs> other than my uh, <laughs> brothers and sisters. That's awesome. So were you guys making music from a young age as a family? Yeah. I mean, all seven kids, kind of music was our thing, and so we all had to learn instruments. We all sang together, so... Singing and harmonies and everything was just something we did and just grew to love. And um, my instrument was the violin. That's the instrument that my parents chose for me. I wanted to play the saxophone, but uh, went to the music store when I was about 10 and came home with a violin because my dad lovingly convinced me that it was one of the instruments that would be played in heaven. <laughs> Don't think the saxophone I hated it. it to heaven. At huh? the time, I hated it, but I grew to really love it. And it's definitely helped me now in my career uh, with the piano guys to be able to, you know, dig into the uh, classical world and, and appreciate it a yeah, lot more sure. now. Were you in any school ensembles playing violin or anything? Yeah, just like, yeah, just the orchestra, um, you know, private lessons as well. And then, you know, I was in concert choir. Just, I was, I, I'm like a tall kind of, I wasn't that big back then. I mean, I, I'm not really big now, but you know, I'm six foot three and Everyone expected me to be in sports, I guess, because I was brown or something. You know, hey, he must be good. And I'm like, I was always toting around the, the violin and singing in choir. But that's where all the cute girls were anyway. So. <laughs> that's right. So I, I had the ask, right choice. Since there were seven of you, you know, I have seven kids myself. And so we get we get the comparison to the Von Trapp family. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. the next Von Trapp. Did you ever get that growing up? Yeah, we were like the... Uh, how do I put it? We were the, the Brown Osmonds because we'd, always sing, Osmonds, we'd always sing the Osmond tunes when we'd go around and do things. And I always, always Jimmy. I don't know why I was Jimmy, but I had to put on this wig and sing like long haired lover from Liverpool. And I had stage fright and I would start crying. I hated performing and eventually I did get over it. But, um, you know, I really enjoy most is just being behind the scenes and um, taking music that people hear in their heads and just bringing it to uh, fruition through music production. Fantastic. So thinking back on your uh, on your education, were there any teachers or instructors that you had that you find to be highly influential in your Oh, path? for sure. I mean, I can't say enough about 
music educators. Um, Mr. Lavelle, he was my sixth grade orchestra teacher. And, uh, you know, we had a ton of us, you know, just learning. Like, I, I, I never picked up a violin, and here I am thrown into a middle school orchestra, and this guy was just so patient, but he was so passionate, you know what I mean? And, you know, people often ask us, you know, how, now how do you, you know, I have kids that play music now. It's like, how do you get them to practice? How do you get them excited about music? And that's just something I'm sure that you find is there's no magic answer to that. But um, what I've learned is that if you're passionate about it in front of your kids, uh, hopefully they'll pick up on it. And this music teacher for sure was so passionate about music and teaching and mentoring that I picked up on it. And I, I just, I wanted to go home and practice because I wanted to make him proud. You know what I mean? Yeah. More, more than even my parents. Like I wanted to make him um, <clears throat> proud that I was, you know, taking this seriously and that I was putting in effort after school to, you know, to play the right notes. Yeah, that's awesome. So I know you do a lot of work now, sort of editing and producing music uh, in the studio. So how did you get into the studio? Where, where did that interest come from? So, you know, you kind of went way back into my uh, the 89, 91 era when I was in a group, you know, with my friends doing <laughs> uh, hip hop stuff and opening up for groups. So we started getting exposed to studios because I always had music in my head. And so we would go to these studios and, you know, scrounge up a few dollars to pay for like an hour or so. And when we would leave and get the final product, it, it never sounded like what I heard in my head. And I'm like, well, this, is, this isn't cool. I'm, we're paying this guy some money and it doesn't sound like what I'm hearing in my head. So I just uh -huh. need to figure out how to do this. So I just, you know, it all started with just a four track recorder and went to an eight track recorder. And then I just, I, I, I wanted to learn because I wanted to record all these ideas and get them in my head. So they sounded the way that I heard them. And eventually, um, I got kind of good at it and then I started just recording people for free and I got even better at it and then it got to the point to where uh, I was like man I can actually charge people to do this and then piano guys took off and I've been pretty much doing that exclusively since 2011 so yeah so let's turn to your work with piano guys how yeah. how did you get involved with that um, you know, we all have different stories because we all kind of brought different things to the table. You know, you had John had a solo piano career before this happened. Paul Anderson owned a piano store in St. George, Utah, Yamaha piano dealership. And and Steve was uh, off and on playing cello. He was kind of like a studio cellist, but then he also would play with John on shows. And, you know, I was just honing my craft as a music producer, recording local artists. And uh, the short story is that Paul was just kind of tired of the conventional ways of advertising through uh, newspaper and, and billboards and radio. And so he said, I'm going to harness the power of social media. It was when Facebook and YouTube was totally brand new and, and exciting. And, and he had made a friendship through John just because of the piano world. And he admired John and he would also provide him pianos for his shows. And so they struck up a friendship. And then uh, Steve moved into my neighborhood. And oh. uh, so I went like a good neighbor, Big <laughs> Al is there. I went and helped them move in and I was moving in all these d instruments, you know, guitars and percussion instruments and cellos, obviously. And I said, hey, you musician, I am too. I have a recording studio in my house. We should get together and jam sometime. So Steve came to my house and um, we just started writing music. We didn't know what for. We were just having a lot of fun. And then probably uh, three or four months into that, he's like, hey, have you heard of John Schmidt? And he's like, yeah. He's like, hey, he's at a studio. He's working on this original tune. He's met this guy in St. George. They're going to film a video, put it up on 
his YouTube channel called The Piano Guy so they can sell a ton of pianos. And so I'm like, that sounds cool, whatever. So we got together, me, John, <laughs> and Steve in my home studio, and we started working on this original piece called Michael Meets Mozart and uh, put it up on YouTube to sell those pianos. And, you know, a week later, we had a million views, and we were like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, we're like, hey, Paul, we know this is just to sell pianos, but Steve and I have been working on some cool just, you know, cello songs and stuff. What do we just threw up some cello music, just kind of made it, kind of a cool channel for cool music too and he's like oh yeah whatever sounds good so we put up a video of uh what is it the unaccompanied cello suite uh-huh you know we added for, seven parts eight to cellos it. yeah yeah right <laughs> we cloned steve like eight times and put it up a week later it had a million views and we're just like what's going on here this is crazy so basically just fast forward to today you know we like 2.5 billion views and we've done 12 albums you know we did 10 with sony music and you know 30 four million streams a month and we've never sold a piano. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's the inspirational <laughs> takeaway, you know. No, but honestly I look at it now and you know we're we're uh, we're all of the same faith and we really believe God orchestrated it all and put us together. And uh, you know, I think our plan for our lives was very, very small. We're not nothing nothing wrong with selling pianos. I mean there's yeah of course there's some uh, a lot of respect in that, but we were just like, we were just going to sell some pianos in St. George, Utah, you know, but I think God was like, no, I'm going to get this pianist and this videographer, business guy, and this cellist and this music producer, and I'm going to put them all together at the right time, and it's going to be something much bigger, and it's not going to be about any of you, but it's going to be about the music and how you can make people feel some joy and happiness in their lives. Yeah, that's awesome. So my, my students always ask me, why is it just called Piano Guys when there's obviously cello too? So has there ever been any talk about adjusting the name or was there talk in the early days? Yeah, the April Fool's joke we once posted on our social media um, that we were going to ch change it to uh, the cello guys. <laughs> <laughs> and we got just a bunch of just backlash. So people didn't <laughs> like that idea. And they were like, well, maybe the piano and the cello guy or something. But, you know, th the truth of it is that, that the piano is just much cooler than the cello. <laughs> I won't That's what Steve John would that. say. And then Steve would say the cello is much cooler. But you know, they work well together. Now I think when people think piano guys, they they just think, you know, it's mashing up pop and classical music and stuff. So, yeah. Um hopefully they think that. But yeah, we, we I think we stick with and actually at the time when we were kind of considering it, but kind of jokingly, you couldn't change the name of your channel. So we kinda had to oh. stick with it. But now you can change the name, but we like piano guys now. Well, there you go. Well, now you're known. So that that's what you got. Yeah. Uh, so you do a lot of different things with piano guys. You do producing, songwriting. You add instruments, add vocals. You work behind the camera as well as in front. What's your preferred role? What do you what do you like to do? Uh, definitely my preferred role is uh, being behind the scenes. I like yeah. being in the studio. I love producing. I love, you know, arranging with John and Steve. I love again just taking their ideas and bringing them to life and making sense of all the i mean sometimes we have a hundred plus individual tracks of different cello you know a lot of people don't realize that all the sounds you're hearing other than a piano or or cello sounds or some vocal textures that i add but mainly cello sounds i mean steve has like 30 plus cellos now carbon fiber uh titanium you know traditional wood uh 
you name it, we have it, right? And we've, mm -hmm. over the years, we've experimented and, and come up with different textures. We can make it sound like an electric guitar, a bass guitar. We can make it sound like a, a, um, a French horn. We can make it sound like a sitar. We can get percussion sounds by hitting it, kicks, snares, high, whatever. And we have all, I have a, basically a sound bank of all these sounds. And then we are always coming up with new textures as well. And so um, I love making sense of all those sounds and finding a space for them to not always be heard, but to be felt. Yeah. How in the world do you make a cello sound like a French horn? Uh, <laughs> well, you have to blow into there. the F hole. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever asked that question, but that's a good answer. You blow into the F hole and wait for something to come out. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier about, uh, about your faith and your religion. I know that faith and religion play a big part of sort of the off-screen lives of all of you involved. Um, so how would you describe how faith plays a role in your career? Where, where has that led you? Well, we've learned so many lessons together um, as a group. But I think one of the biggest takeaways we've learned is that um, God can do so much more with our lives than we can. There's a quote, and I'm going to slaughter it, but maybe it's worth me looking it up real quick just so I can kind of really do it justice. This is our favorite quote from a man named Ezra Taft Benson. You may have heard, heard of him. Here's the quote that we kind of, it's kind of our uh, mission statement, I guess, and something that we mm. believe is, is why we are where we are today. Men and women who turn their lives over to God will discover that he can make a lot more out of their lives than they can. He can deepen their joys, expand their vision, quicken their minds, strengthen their muscles, lift their spirits, multiply their blessings, increase their opportunities, comfort their souls, and pour out peace. So we've learned that as we turn our life over to God and let Him lead the way, that it's been so much better. It's been so much sweeter. There's been so many more opportunities that we could have never imagined because if music would have happened for me at the time, like when I was in my 20s, you know, teenage years when I was doing the hip hop stuff and <laughs> opening up for these groups and, you know, I had a different vision and, and I thought it was all about the money, the fame, the recognition. And if that would have happened the way that I wanted it, at the time I wanted it, it would have ruined my life. Like literally it would have ruined my life because I, I hadn't turned my life over to to God. You know, I didn't, I wasn't seeking his will. I was just seeking the ways of the world. And, and so it happened at the time when it needed to, I was well into my thirties. I had a family, you know, I was happily married, had kids. We were, you know, I, I felt more grounded spiritually. I had the connection with God and, and my relationship with my family was the most important. Music was fun. It was a hobby. I'd always do it, but I stopped forcing it. And when I stopped forcing it, that's when we all kind of just came together. And you know, the story that I told you, and here we are. Yeah. 12 years later, and I still look back on it. It's just um, a miracle. That's awesome. So when you finally do get a day off, what do you like to do for fun? I, honestly, I, I love just hanging out with my family. Like <laughs> we rented an RV this summer for, you know, a couple weeks and just hopped in it and just drove around Yellowstone and Glacier National oh, Park awesome. and Montana and stuff. And it was just, seriously, if I'm not in here, like I put a limit. So six o'clock, I'm out of here. Like, I don't worry about music anymore. I try to turn off my brain, you know. So when I get home, sometimes I'm still thinking about ideas and things like that. But 
I've learned how to turn it off so that I can be present for my family. Because, you know, music takes a lot of creativity out of you. And sometimes we're at this like uh, overstimulated, you know, we're kind of creatively, we're, 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 I'm overstimulated. And sometimes if I go right home after this state of being overstimulated, I'm like, I can't handle like some of the smallest things. Like I just feel like I get, you know, really impatient. I can't focus. So I take some time before I leave the studio too to just kind of, Destimulate, I guess, and just <laughs> hum down. So this is good. It will help me. I've turned off my, you know, my all my computer stuff basically, and my studio gear, and just talking will just help me kind of come down and be focused for when I go home. Because outside of music, family is all you have. That's right. That's right. All right, I got one last question for you before we take a quick break. Yeah. So, who is another living composer or songwriter that you think that we should all go check out? Oh man, living. Shoot. I know. I always put that limit on it because <laughs> it's easy to go back to the ones that aren't living. Um, <laughs> I guess define composer more for me. Composer or it's, songwriter? Anyone that's songwriter. that's creating music. Oh, you know, I really like John Bellion. Yeah, uh, he's kind of more up the pop realm. You know, alternative. He has a he he produces. He songwrites his own stuff. You know, he's been doing a lot more collaborative stuff lately. But I just I love his. The sound that he gets, mm -hmm. and I love the the uh, rhythmically his songs, how they develop. He, he's, you know, he won't just. I mean, he'll he'll throw in like these hemiolas and stuff, and people don't understand what they're hearing, you know. But he'll be throwing in a six, you know, four over the four four, and and it just kind of works. It's just unexpected. I love people who produce and write in a way where it's just not so uh, um, predictable. You know, awesome. he's one of them that I really, really that, enjoy. Listening that was to. John Bellion. Yeah, John Bellion, B-E-L-I-O-N, and I think it's just J-O-H-N. Yeah. All right. Well, I will go check that out. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll listen to some of Val's music. Welcome back. I'm talking today with Al Vanderbeek. So we're going to start today with what makes you beautiful. So this piece features five of you gathered around an open grand piano playing just about every available surface of the piano all at the same time. Uh, so take us a little bit into the creative process of piano guys. What is the brainstorm like for a song like this? Yeah, this one was crazy. We were actually just at a meeting at, in the piano store in St. George, and obviously there's pianos everywhere. And uh, during a brainstorming or something, we were all around a piano. John is always doing finger exercises, so he's just sitting down <laughs> doodling away. I don't remember who it was who started, but someone started hitting a little beat on the inside someone started plucking some notes and we just started doing this cool jam we're like man this is this is tasty that's the word we like to use this is <laughs> tasty. this is a tasty groove we're like oh that'd be cool to do something like this someday well put it on the back burner because we had other things that we were doing and about two months from that day we're like we needed a song to do and what makes you beautiful by uh, one direction was really hot and we're like you think we could possibly you know integrate all sounds from a piano and like do this song and like we're like okay so we did the song went in and uh we loved how it sounded and then we shot the video and we're like this is so lame like all these middle-aged guys doing a teeny bop <laughs> song around the piano we're all smiling at each other like so cheesy right but we put it again up online and on youtube and it just took off like it blew up we're like what the heck is going on like people they were eating it up you know but um, the creative process of the studio is just, it's very organic. You know, we don't 
sometimes people will come in with some ideas. I think on that one, John had, you know, a bunch of different ideas and then he would, he would play certain sections in this. And then Steve and I would just be like hitting things and plucking notes that would sound good. And then you just basically just throw all these colors on a canvas, like this particular song, literally we were just throwing out every idea. And then I went and pieced it all together, like took parts you know, that were way over here and broad. Let's put this as an intro. These are really tasty to just ding, 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 you know, to, to mm -hmm. get people good ear candy. And so it's just, you know, and then the vocal part, I'm just like, it'd be cool if we just have a, we all start singing and, you know, let's just start doing, ooh, ah, whatever we were doing. And so, yeah, that one just came together and every song's a little bit different, but that one was just throwing down a lot of ideas and then just, then just piecing it together. Yeah. You know, it's funny. This is one of those pieces I'm not terribly into pop music and things right, like right. that. And so when I hear One Direction sing it, I'm like, oh, that's that Piano Guy song. All right. Yeah, they covered ours. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we All get right. that a lot, though. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a second. We're going to listen to What Makes You Beautiful. Thank you. 
All right. Our next piece today is Ode to Joy to the World. So one of the things I love about the Piano Guys is when you combine two previously unrelated pieces to create something brand new. Uh, we'll talk about another one here in just a moment. But this one, of course, is a combination of Ode to Joy and Joy to the World. Uh, is there one of you that's more adept at finding the right combination of music? You know, it depends on the song, who takes the lead. But on this particular one, John took the lead on it. Uh-huh. Um, this was something that he, and honestly, only he can tell it. Um, you know, it's, it's actually very personal to him. Um, but we collaborated very closely on it together. But it was, you know, it was all around surrounding the time when uh, he and Michelle lost their, mm. their daughter, um, Annie. And, uh, you know, amidst all of that pain and loss and tremendous sorrow and, you know, they, they also had an increase in, in love and joy and knowing that they're going to see her again. And so this song is actually kind of a testimony to that experience. So it was really, it was really cool to like, you know, you wouldn't think of joy when you're losing, when you lose a loved one. Right. But, in this case, they had an overwhelming feeling of joy. And so this song was all about that celebration of, you know, knowing that we're going to, you know, death is just a temporary uh, separation and, and that we're going to see our loved ones again. And so um, John came in with a bunch of ideas on this one, you know, and it got pretty big. You know, we brought in the bells. We brought mm -hmm. in, you know, do you call them trumpeters or do they have a trump? What do you call them? Yep, Come trumpeters, on. yeah. Trumpeters and, the, the, and a choir. You know, and 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 then we brought in one cello player too. You know, and I, <laughs> I think I was even playing guitar on that one. I you saw know, that. We yeah. were all going crazy on that one, but it was just we just wanted to like, hey, this make this a joyful celebration of, of, of the perfect love that God has for us as His children. And so, um, yeah, that was a that was a really special one to be a part of for sure. Yeah. So when you have that big of a force. <laughs> How much rehearsal time does that take to to put it all together? Oh, as far as the the, the for the video, do you mean for the, for the video or recording? I mean, you've got all those pieces together. Oh yeah, I mean that honestly, I mean easily. Jeez, I don't know, eighty hundred hours went into that. You know, um, of you know, because we were using two different studios because I couldn't accommodate a choir because it was just still in my home <laughs> studio. It was a lot smaller. And um, so we were we were collaborating with another studio, one that John used to go to his with his sol solo career, and um, but then he'd come and lay down piano stuff, and the cello stuff would do it. You know, we call it the, the TPG studio now. Um, and then the video itself. I mean, you're yeah, you're filming it only in one night, but then it's you know one to two weeks on editing right. as well. So yeah, easily you were a month, two months, month and a half, two months into that one you know, from start to finish. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's a, it's a world I'd love to get into, but haven't got there yet. <laughs> right. Well, there's room for you. All right. Come on in. Well, we are now going to listen to Ode to Joy to the World.
All right. Our third piece today is Cello Wars. So this is one of my favorites. Longtime listeners of this podcast know of my deep love for all things Star Wars. Uh, in fact, I'm wearing Grogu socks at this moment. Oh, I thought you had Yoda <laughs> on your tie, but that's is that a frog? Oh, uh, yeah, just frogs on my tie. <laughs> so you well, Yoda is a frog, I think. There you go. He's some sort of frog guy. You co-wrote this arrangement with Stephen Sharp Nelson. So what yeah. is it like to arrange music with him? What's your what's your collaboration together? Is he I a mean, prima it's... donna? No, yeah, he is. <laughs> no, Steve is just he is so creative. The guy has just classical melodies flooding through his head. He's always has some idea and he's super passionate about them, right? And so I just get excited about again helping get these ideas just out there. And so this one was kind of, you know, he's a big Star Wars geek and he, you know, as dads, we just want our kids to think we're cool. So it's like, <laughs> how can we, you know, get our kids to think we're cool? And we're like, let's do, let's do Star Wars, you know, let's call it Cello Wars and, uh, you know, mash up a few of the themes together and, go, you know, rent the Death Star for a weekend and get Darth Vader and his accordion because, you know, he, that's the most evil instrument of them all and, uh, get Chewbacca on there and let's just throw it together. So um, this one, he, he definitely, he had a very uh, forward vision for a specific vision. And uh, so getting in the studio on that one, I mean, I don't even remember where it started, but it was just like, we just started laying it down, you know, and broke out the electric cello. And instead of just, you know, the dun, 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 you know, he's like with his cello. And we started, I'm like, hey, what if we added kind of like a house beat to it? You know, it was like, you know, and they were like thinking we're, when we worked together, Steve and I, we both start seeing the video too. So we started seeing, I'm like, what if we're right in this moment, all of a sudden, you know, you just like your bow turn into a lightsaber. And then all of a sudden you're fighting yourself. And it's like, so we added all those sound effects and everything in the original song before the video before was the video. even made wow. because we knew exactly what it wanted you know we, what we wanted the video to look like as well and just a side note paul anderson he is chewbacca and i am darth vader that's that what video. i read yeah and uh so my kids to this day they know that i am their father <laughs> nice, <laughs> hey nice. hey so was Bring it pretty game? epic putting on that darth vader suit oh yeah it was epic i still have it you know the, he got this angle at first if you look there's just go watch the video you'll see there's the one of the first angles it's like he was going shooting up it made it look real stubby but i'm like almost six four i'm like what happened to darth vader man he got really <laughs> kind of chubby and short <laughs> um but the editing on that one took six months i wow. mean frame by frame we had an editor and he was, uh, you know, he had oh, yeah, to add in all those lightsabers every, yeah. you know, on two of two of Steve's on top of it and the Death Star and all the other effects and everything. And so that one was intense. That was probably our, our longest production video. The song probably came together in a, probably three weeks, but the, the video was what really took the long and filming the video. Oh, it was a 24 hour marathon. It was <laughs> insane. <laughs> Green screen. That's the only video we've used green screen. A lot of people, oh, yeah? you know, we're on the Great Wall of China in front of the Christ Redeemer statue, you know, Chichen Itza. We're really at those places, you know. On didn't top of didn't actually make it to the Death Star, though. Yeah, it was booked for the weekend. So we're like, <laughs> hey, let's just, um, let's just go to green screen. But, All right. Well, we are now going to listen to Cello Wars. That was my Darth Vader. That was nice. Thank you. 
piece today beethoven's five secrets this is another mashup piece this time the old with the new which you've done frequently so this time in one republic song secrets combined with bits and pieces from all four movements of beethoven's fifth symphony so what in your opinion makes these two pieces work together so well well if you listen to the song you can tell that they've worked together but before i knew that they worked together again this is where steve he always have classical melodies swimming through his head. When he brings me ideas, it's like, hey, man, what if we mashed up Lacrimosa with Adele and be like a breakup song if they were to be dating? I'm like, this, this not, you know, it's not going to work. And then he'll start <laughs> playing the chords to Adele's, uh, what's the song it was? Um, is, is it someone hello. like you? Oh, hello. Oh, okay. hello, right? Yeah. In the, the pop chord progression, just four chords, and then he starts playing the melody of La Cremosa over the top of it. I'm like, how the heck this? So he's a genius. I, I would never take credit for that. So this is one of the moments where um, we actually collaborated also with the youth orchestra, a Lyceum Philharmonic and Kaysen Brown. He's the conductor there. Super cool guy. And so um, we all three kind of worked on that together in the studio, piecing it all together. Um, and uh, I think it just turned out awesome, right? We like to take the highlights of classical music, you know, things that, you know, there's so many tasty little nuggets of melodies that people are familiar with. They don't know who, where they hear them, probably in commercials or, mm -hmm. you know, movies. They're, it's always there, right? So people, when they hear these, which we call like the highlights of classical music, then they're like, oh, it's familiar to them, even though they don't listen to classical music, right? So yeah. I think that's kind of what our focus has been is just like, let's take stuff we know people have heard and let's <clears throat> let's take these pop songs, which you know a lot of people have heard, and let's 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 blend them together. And it just they always just kind of seem to work. Um, again, because of you know Steve's mind, and John also has a, a very great mind for hearing those types of things. And um, yeah, I think that one turned out really cool. To, to to this day, that one to me, when I hear it, it just always gets me. It's just you know, and that you know the build and just how it progresses and the orchestra and the watching these kids the just being passionate about their instruments you know and 
and I always get little goosebumps when I watch the video or hear that song because it's just I, I always listen to our stuff and I'm just like I, I like I can listen to it almost as a fan too it's really weird mm -hmm. like I probably listen to the songs the most because I'm in the studio by myself after and just like doing everything, you know, all the post-production. But even that, at the end, I'm never sick of our music. And then when I hear it, I'm just like, dang, how did that all happen? How did, <laughs> you know, I'm like hearing things like, where did that sound come from? Wow, that's cool. So it's, it's kind of a, a unique position to be in to be, you know, so close to it, but then be able to really appreciate it from... Uh, kind of from a outsider perspective too. Sure. All right. Well, we are now going to listen and see if we can discover some of Beethoven's five secrets.
So Al, what are you working on now that you're allowed to tell us about? So we are independent artists right now as of about, well, about a year and a half ago. Okay. We were with Sony Music and we just felt like when COVID hit, you know, the world kind of stopped and we had to say, well, we got to think of things differently. There's no more touring for the you know, foreseeable future. And what is it we want to do that will be sustainable and enjoyable? Are we done with piano guys? And, you know, we didn't feel like that was an option, but we really wanted to go back to our grassroots and just focus on the music. I mean, that's mm -hmm. kind of um, who we are and, and what we're all about and how we feel like we can reach the most people and use the gifts that God's blessed us with. And so um, we're really just focusing more on um, um, just putting out music more consistently. Videos, not as much. And they just, again, they've just, everything's changed. The algorithms don't really favor music videos. And so um, we feel like let's just uh, focus on the music. Um, but outside of piano, guys, I also, I have a lot more time because I don't go on tour anymore and Paul mm -hmm. doesn't go on tour. So I'm like, well, what do I want to do with, you know, my extra time? And so I've been finding a lot of um, amazing just, young talent that they don't realize how good they are and i've just been again going back to my roots and like helping them discover their sound and helping them get what's in their head out into the world and i just love it it's just so super super enjoyable to to um to mentor uh the younger generation and uh let them you know, hear their music as if it would be on the radio. You know what I mean? I'm not trying yeah. to get it on the radio for them if that's what they want to do, but I'll make it sound. I'll put in the time and the work and the effort to make it sound like it could be on the radio. So I'm just finding, you know, these kids that are super talented. I'm not trying to teach them how to sing or write songs. They already have that. I'm just taking them to the next step of like, now let, let, let them hear your song, not as just a piano and a vocal. Let me add some Again, things that I've learned with piano guys. Let me add some some strings. Let me add some percussion. Let me add a bass line. Let me add some vocal textures. And it's, it's super cool. That is fabulous. Hey, listeners out there, if you have not yet bought a shirt with the Movable Dough logo on it, what are you waiting for? If you want to tell the world about the amazing composers you've listened to, like Al Vanderbeek, uh, and did I just say shirt? It could be a t-shirt, a baby onesie, a hoodie, a baseball cap, notebook, pillow. Who doesn't want a Movable Dough throw pillow? I know I do. Visit sdcompose.com slash movable dough and click where it says merch. Well, Al, it has been a pleasure to get to talk to you today and talk about piano guys and all the amazing things you're doing. Thank you for joining me on Movable Dough. Thank you, Steve. It was my honor. My guest today was composer, songwriter, and producer Al Vanderbeek. If you have a recommendation for a future guest or an idea for the show, please email me at movabledough at gmail.com. This is Steve Danielson. Keep the music moving.